Welcome to One Life Online. The podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon from Exodus chapter 16, titled, God Gives Manna, presented by Daryl Burnett. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word by His Spirit and cause you to walk according to His will by His grace. Thank you. So again, we're in uh, Exodus chapter 16 this morning. So we have this, this story here of God's provision for the children of Israel. Uh, but just to give you just a little bit of background about what's going on, here in chapter 16 of Exodus, the, the children of Israel, these Hebrew peoples, they've been freed from slavery from the Egyptians. They've seen the power and the work of God. They've crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. God's provided for them over and over and over again. And then we get here to chapter 16, and what are they doing? They're complaining and grumbling. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not, but every time I read about the children of Israel, it's frustrating to me. I'm like, these hard-hearted, knuckle-headed people. (laughs) How could they be this way? They've seen the power of the Lord over and over and over again. He's done these amazing things in their presence. And then what do they do? They complain. Oh, you've brought us out here to die and starve in the wilderness. But I wanna give them a little grace today. We read at the very beginning, it's really only been a month and a half since they've left Egypt. They were in slavery and bondage in Egypt for 400 years. These aren't like the children or grandchildren of of, of Isaac and Jacob and, and Joseph. They didn't get the firsthand stories of God's provision for his, his people when he established them generations ago. It's been a very, very long time and they've known nothing but slavery. They've known nothing but difficulty all of their lives. And then this guy Moses shows up kind of out of nowhere for them and says, hey, there's this God who's calling you out into freedom, out of slavery, and he's given you this land that's far away, but we gotta take this journey. So just trust me and trust this God that that you really don't know and don't know anything about. And God's gonna provide and it's gonna be okay. And so, you know, if we put ourselves in their shoes, I'm sure many of us would probably also be complaining and grumbling. So we wanna give them a little, a little grace. So as we read this story this morning, I want us to take four points or four principles that we can learn from, from God's provision for the people of Israel here and apply them to our lives. And I hope they'll be a blessing to you today. My first point is that God leads us to places of need. God leads us to places of need. We like to think for ourselves that, that God takes us from places of need and leads us into places of, of provision and abundance. And, and sure enough, he does that sometimes. But often, and maybe even more often, I find that God leads us into places of need. If we can go to the next slide. When God led the children of Israel 
out of Egypt, they took a bit of an odd path. If you see here, and I'm gonna scroll or stand out of the, the frame there for the camera, but I hope that's okay. If you can see here, Egypt is over in the west. They crossed there in the north of Egypt, the, the Red Sea. They passed into the desert, and the, the shortest path, the easiest path, would have been to go straight um, north and east to Israel. That would have been the easiest thing for them to do, the quickest path. It's really only a matter of maybe a few days or a week that they would have had to walk. So they could have done it pretty quickly. But instead, God leads them south through the desert. And we wonder, why would God do that? Why would he take this group that, that have been in slavery for all of this time, they've been suffering under slavery, and instead of taking them the short route to get to the land of Canaan, to the promised land, he takes them south through, through really what is a more difficult journey. Now he tells us in his word that he did this for a couple reasons. One, he did it because he knew that if they go straight there, they're gonna have to fight their way there. And he didn't think they were ready for that. He didn't think that they were prepared yet for the battle that was coming ahead. He had to get them prepared. And so he said, we're gonna take some time and we're gonna go kind of the long route because there's some things that I need to teach you along the way. The other reason I believe he did it is because he wanted them to learn to trust him. And he does this for us for these same reasons. It's interesting to me as, as we see this story here that not only did they take the longer route, but in chapter 15, verse 27, it said they came to a place called Elam, which I'll show you here on the map is just here. All right, so just after they had kind of crossed into the desert, they come to this place called Ilam, and they've been complaining already. They're already, they've, they've only been gone for, for maybe a couple of weeks from Egypt, and they're already complaining, oh God, it's, it's hot, and we're hungry, and we're thirsty, and oh, why did you bring us on this long journey? And so God brings them to this place, Ilam, which we read in verse 27 of, of chapter 15, it says, then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a desert. Probably not many of us. <laughs> I saw one down here in the front. Deserts are hot and they're dry. Okay, they're places that as soon as you walk into them, you feel thirsty and you're tired. And God brings them to this oasis in the desert where there are 12 springs and 70 date palms. There's food and water. There's plenty, there's provision for the people. But then right after that in verse 16, we, say, we see that they set out from Elam and they went south to the desert sin. So God takes them from a place of prosperity and provision into the desert where they're in need again. 
I found it very interesting. We've been studying through uh, the book of Mark uh, as pastor's been leading us through in the life of Christ. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, we read a story about Christ and his disciples in Mark chapter four. And very similarly, Christ takes his disciples who are on dry ground, they're in safety, everything's okay, they have everything they need, and he puts them on a boat and they go out into the Sea of Galilee. And what happens? Jesus falls asleep and they get stuck in a storm. He takes them from a place of safety to a place of danger. And then when they're afraid because of this danger, he rebukes them. He says, why are you afraid? You have no reason to fear. God continually takes us from places of prosperity to places of need so that we'll learn to turn to him in our need. You can go to the next slide. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 28 to 30. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So our first principle this morning I want us to learn is that God leads us into places of need so that we'll learn to turn to him. We need to learn to turn to God in our need. I I don't know if you're like me at all, but more often than not, when a need comes up in my life, my first instinct is to solve it myself. I wanna fix my own problems. But God says, no, your first instinct needs to be to turn to me for your provision when you're in need. Turn to me when you have these needs. And he says, he promises here in his word, right? That if we, if we come to him, he's gonna give us rest. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me when you're in need. And so I encourage us this morning to come to the Lord. My second principle this morning is God shows us grace and mercy even in the midst of our grumblings. God shows us grace and mercy even in the midst of our grumblings. How many parents do we have here this morning? Quite a few, I think. Now, I don't know if you're like me in your parenting, but when my kids come to me and they're all whiny and, Dad, I don't like this, and I'm bored, and I want to go home, and I don't like this food, and can you get me this, Dad? My first instinct is no. <laughs> no, you can stop the whining and the complaining. I don't want to hear it. Now, if they come and they say, you know, hey, Dad, um, 
I, I really have this need, I have this thing that I really need in my life. And, and if you can, if you're able to add, could you, could you maybe help me out with this today? I'd really appreciate it. My heart is much softer. Maybe if it's something they really need, then I would say yes. But when they whine and complain and grumble, my first instinct is to say, no, you're not getting anything from me. But that's not what we see from the Lord here in this passage. Instead of punishing the children of Israel, he provides for them. Not only does he provide for them, but he provides for them abundantly. You can go to the next slide. It's amazing to me to see the love and the patience and the kindness of our Father. He's so, so good to us. We're so undeserving, but he chooses to give us good things. He doesn't just meet our basic needs. He gives us far above and beyond what we could ever dream. Just look at what he did for the children of Israel here. He didn't just give them manna. He could have, that would have been enough, right? The manna was sufficient. They didn't need more than that. But look at verse eight. It says, Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening. And again in verse 13, it says, so it came about at evening that the quails came up and they covered the camp. He gave them meat. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I love meat. Meat sounds much better than, than eating bread that I've had to scoop off the ground every morning, right? He gives them this meat to eat. And quail is a good meat. I don't know if you've ever had quail before, but it's, it's very good, it's tasty. I enjoy it. He gave them this extra gift not only did he give them manna, and not only did he give them meat, he also showed his glory to them. He showed them his glory. Look at uh, verse 10. It said, it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that the, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. They had this experience with God. They got to see God in, in a way that many of us will never see him until we reach heaven. What an amazing blessing for the children of Israel. They get to experience firsthand the glory of the Lord. So he showed them his glory. He gave them manna, he gave them meat, he showed them his glory. And then he also didn't, um, he made sure that every person had just enough to eat. He made sure every person had enough to eat every day. I love this, this is easy to overlook if you read too quickly here, but in verse 17 and 18 it says, the sons of Israel did so, meaning they went out and collected the manna each morning. And some gathered much, and some gathered little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. 
No one had too much and no one had too little. Everyone had just the amount that they needed. God made sure of it. Not because they carefully measured every amount, but because God made sure that he added to those who gathered little and he took away from those who gathered too much to make sure everyone had the right amount. I went and looked up this week and Omer is about one and a half, a little more than one and a half kilograms. And this was what they received per person per day. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't think I could eat one and a half kilograms of bread every day. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of food, plus the meat that they had in the evenings. And we know they had excess because it says some people saved it till the next morning. They tried to at least anyway. He gave them abundantly even more than they needed. He made sure his people were fed well. He knew that this was gonna be a difficult journey through the desert and he knew that they were gonna to need to be fed. And so he provided for them. Another thing that we know, it doesn't say this here in the, the scripture, but this wasn't just normal bread. This wasn't like the loaf of bread we go down to the, the grocery store and purchase. I'm sure I think we have some maybe doctors and nurses and, and others, maybe others of you know as well. We really need more than just bread and water to survive on. We need lots of different nutrients and we need fruits and vegetables and we need all kinds of different foods to be really healthy. And these people were run, wandering through the desert so they needed even more than maybe the average person as they walked day after day after day. And so this wasn't just normal bread. This had every bit of the nutrients and the vitamins and the things that they needed to be healthy. God provided for them abundantly. And then lastly, he made sure they had a day of rest. He made sure they each had a day of rest. He said on the Sabbath day, on the seventh day, I don't even want you to go out and gather anything. I'm gonna allow you to gather twice as much on the sixth day so that on the Sabbath you can rest because he knows that we need our rest. He knows that we need to learn to rest and trust in him. So he gave them the rest that they needed. He provided in all of these amazing ways. If we look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and you can just read it here on the screen. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. He tells us in this passage, he says, my provision for you, yes, is out of my love for you and my care for you, but it's also with a purpose. There's a purpose to the provision and the abundance of God. He says, I do it so that you can serve me. He says, it's for every good deed, it's for every good work. He gives us this abundance so that we can serve him in greater and greater ways. So I would encourage us this morning to really examine and look at our lives. 
How has God abundantly blessed you? In what ways is he providing for you and your family that, that we know only come from him? How can we use that abundance provision from the Lord to serve him in greater ways? As I was thinking about this idea, you know, that God, he blesses us. He, he shows his grace and his mercy toward us, even when we're undeserving, even when we're in sin, even when we complain. A question came to my mind. I don't know that we'll have an answer to this. Maybe one day God will reveal it to us. What would God have done if the people of Israel had praised him instead of complaining? What would he have done? What would he do for us if instead of going to God every day and saying, God, I need you to take care of this and I need you to do this today and you really gotta fix this problem in my life, but instead if we go to him and praise his name, what if we go to him humbly with thanksgiving in our hearts and say, God, I have all these needs, but you're sufficient for all of them and thank you. I don't know for sure, but I imagine we would see greater and greater blessings from the Lord. That we would see and experience miracles that we've never seen or experienced before. We need to make sure that our hearts have the right attitude when we approach God with our needs. That it's not about us, it's about Him. It's about how we can honor and glorify Him with our lives and with our work. So the first principle was God leads us to places of need so we'll learn to turn to him. The second was God shows us grace and mercy even in our grumblings and complainings. Our third principle this morning is God's provision always points us to Christ. God's provision always points us to Christ. This sounds weird to say sometimes to us, but God is supremely concerned with his own honor and glory. And rightfully so. He's the only one worthy. And everything he does points us back to him. I don't think the wording here is an accident. In Exodus 16, verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The promise is bread from heaven. That should immediately draw our attention and our minds, knowing the scriptures and knowing the New Testament to Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, John chapter 6, starting in verse 32. 
Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. That's just a few verses later after Christ has fed the 5,000. He's done this great miracle. And he comes to them and he says, I am the bread of life. Greater than this food that you've just eaten, more life-giving than the food that I've just given you, this great miracle that I've just done is the gift of me. The Father has sent me that you might have life. And I fully believe that one of the greatest reasons that we have this story of the manna recorded in scripture is just so that one day we could see that the true bread from heaven was not the manna, it was the gift of the Son. It was the life of Jesus Christ. It was his death for us so that we might have life eternal. As we look at our own lives and see how God provides for us day after day, I wanna encourage us that we need to be looking back to Christ. This provision, this abundance that God has given, it's not just for our own good. It is for our own good, but not just for our own good. It's also so that others might know the power of the God that we serve. They might have an experience with Jesus Christ that they've never had before. I was sharing this week at uh, a teacher's retreat and one of the things I encouraged them was, our stories have great power. When we tell others about what God has done for us and who God is and, and how amazing he is to us and for his provision for us and his love for us, that has great impact. And just like God commanded them to take a portion of this manna and save it for the generations to come so that they could see God's provision, we need to look at the own provision in our lives and we need to share that with others and tell them what God has done for us because it has powerful impact in the lives of others. I served uh, for a few years as a missionary in Mozambique and we lived way out in this village. We worked with an unreached Muslim people group there and it was hard work, but it was very rewarding work. And these, these young men that we were working with, we had a small farm, 
So we had all these young men that we were working with in the community and, and they would come up and they would tell me about, you know, all the problems they're having in their lives. They're, they're struggling with, with a spouse or with a girlfriend and, and their families are giving them problems. And especially for those who were, who were beginning to come to Christ and know Christ as their Lord and Savior, they were being rejected by the community and, and they would come and they would complain to me about all of these things that they were struggling with. And so I would, I would say, you know, well, let's look at the word of the Lord and what, is, what does God's word say? And, you know, we really need to examine that. And, and I begin to tell them, you know, hey, listen, I understand what you're going through. And immediately, every time I would say that, they would say, oh, there's no way you understand. You're this white man from America. You've known Christ since you were a young child. Like you just can't understand what we're going through. You have no idea. And so I would start to share my stories with them. You know, when I was a young boy, this happened and, and Christ did this for me. And then when I got a little bit older, Christ worked in my way in this life. And they started to see the power of Christ that had been manifest throughout my life. And that had great impact for them. They started to understand that maybe I didn't have the same story as them, but God, because he was powerful enough to work in my life, he was also powerful enough to work in theirs. So share your stories. Use the stories that God has given you to point others back to Christ and allow him to be honored and glorified. So again, our first point this morning, God leads us to places of need so that we'll learn to turn to him. The second was God shows us grace and mercy even in our grumblings. Three, God's provision always points us back to Christ. And then our fourth and final point this morning is that our provision must be pursued daily. Our provision must be pursued daily. And back in Exodus chapter 16, looking again at verse four and five, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will, make, they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So God said to the, the children of Israel, he said, look, I have this great gift for you but I'm not gonna come on the first day of the week and give you enough for the whole week. That would have been much easier, I presume, for the children of Israel. God could have said, hey, listen, when you get up every morning, there's just gonna be a loaf of bread on the table. You don't have to do anything for it, it's just there. But he didn't say that. He said, every morning you're gonna have to wake up and you're gonna to have to go outside and you're gonna to have to put a little work in and you're gonna to have to gather this bread for yourself. And if you try to, to get too much and save it to the next day, well, it's gonna be full of, of, of worms and it's gonna go foul. It's gonna be no good. So every day they would have to get up and go out. Six days a week, 52 weeks a year for 40 years. 
every day, they get up, they go outside, they gather their manna, so they have provision for the day. When I read these verses, I immediately thought to Matthew chapter six in the Lord's Prayer. And how did Christ teach his disciples to pray? In verse 11, he said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Don't give me bread for tomorrow yet. Not for next week or next month or next year. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need today, Lord. So often we, as the people of God, we come to church on Sundays and we think, this is sufficient for the week. I've heard from the Lord today and that's enough. I'll hear from him again next Sunday. But I guarantee for each of us that we'll eat today and then tomorrow we'll eat again and Tuesday and then Wednesday and Thursday and every day this week we're gonna get up and eat and we don't pursue the Lord in the same way we pursue food. Sunday's enough, that's enough for me, I don't need any more. I wanna encourage you this morning that this has to be a daily pursuit in our lives. We need to pursue God day after day after day to allow him to work in our hearts and our lives. Are you pursuing God daily? Are you searching his word? Are you going to him in prayer? Are you serving him day after day after day? If not, I would ask you to examine what do you need to change in your life this week? What habits need to be different? Maybe we need to take some things away from our life. Maybe we need to add some things to it. But I encourage you to allow God to work day by day in your hearts. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your provision today, God. We know and we trust that you are good, that you love us, that you care about us and care about our needs, Lord. We know that you have our best interests at heart. And so if you've led us into places of need today, God, I pray for each of us that we would learn to turn to you, that we would trust you for your provision, that we would trust that your provision is sufficient and even abundant to meet the needs that we have. God, Lord, I pray that as we receive these provisions, this abundance that you've given us, Lord, that we would, would share with others what you've done for us, that we would point others back to Christ and the work of Christ in our lives, that we would share in your goodness with those around us, God. And Lord, I do pray for each of us that we would seek your provision daily, that it would be more than just 
a thing we do on Sunday mornings, but that day after day after day, we would search your word, we would come to you in prayer, we would seek you. And God, I just pray above all else this week that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do. We ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 0705-581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission. Thank you.